0: Thank you, Miss Alyssa. Appreciate that. I'll put in a plug for the meal after church. My wife made white chicken chili. And if you haven't tried it, they said Miss Macy made rolls too. So, if there's two people in this church that can cook. I'm just saying, I didn't get to be this weight for no reason whatsoever, okay? It's not from McDonald's, I can promise you that. Romans chapter 12, Pastor Robbie, you sang a, had him sing a song tonight, Make Me a Blessing. And I said, what a blessing that we're singing that song, because that's what we're preaching about tonight. Make you a blessing to me. I mean, make, uh, make me a blessing uh, to somebody else, Romans chapter 12. You know, one of the things I enjoy about being a youth pastor is I pick on these kids for years and years, and then I get up here and sit up on the platform and inevitably, I told them it was going to happen, inevitably I sit down on the platform and there's like eight people out there making faces at me trying to get me to laugh. And I, I tell them, I said, look, I already know it's coming, but Pastor Ben doesn't get embarrassed by it, you know, doesn't make, you know, instead I wave at them and make faces back at them and they're like, why in the world is he doing that right up on the platform? That's, you can get away with that when you're the youth pastor, okay? That's just... The reality. Here's what I will say. This morning, I was watching from the TV in the back, waiting for the for the you know vans to get ready to leave and whatnot. And I told Pastor Robbie, I said, Pastor Robbie, I don't mean this mean and ugly, and I love you to death, but the fact that all those cameras point down does not do you any favors. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. One of the things I enjoy about being the youth pastor, too, is I'm always telling these kids, you know, like riddles, jokes, whatever. And I get more enjoyment out of it if they don't get it. You know, just laughing at them because they have no clue. That doesn't make any sense, Pastor Ben. You know, so, you know, this week I told them, I said, how many Aggies does it take to eat an armadillo? Three. One to eat it and two two to watch for cars. Okay. <laughs> and they're like, that makes no sense whatsoever, Pastor <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so you know what an you know what an Aggie calls a dead armadillo on the road? Possum on the half shell. I <laughs> said, so that makes no sense either. I said, you're right. <laughs> I get more enjoyment out of it if they don't get it. So one of them told me a joke this week, and it was so good I had to repeat it. And every time I repeated it, there's like three in a crowd of 15 that get it. And the rest of them are like, huh? So I told them, I said, I saw something that made me want to throw up this week. I saw a dartboard on the ceiling." It's okay, because some of the adults in here aren't getting it either, all right? (laughs) Ashley, if you don't get it, I'll explain it to you later. (laughs) Romans chapter 12, (laughs) all right. This is why pastor doesn't have me preach very often, okay? Romans chapter 12. Let's all stand for the reading of the Word of God. Make me a blessing. We could title the message tonight, Make Me a Blessing. If you want, but Romans chapter 12, we're going to begin with verse four. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation. abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, Patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Father, we love you. As we come tonight, I want to be a blessing to your people. Father, I want to be an encouragement and a help. I pray that uh, you would take the word of God, the message it's preached, Father, that it would edify your people. And uh, Father, this church might gather something from it as individuals and collectively as a body. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I had the privilege in high school of memorizing the book of Romans for quiz team, and uh, if you asked me to quote it today, I couldn't do it. Uh, Not even close, but there are portions that are extremely familiar, and as you go through them, I'm thankful uh, for that fact. But if you read Romans, Paul gives nothing but doctrine for the first 11 chapters, And it's just doctrine, 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 doctrine. And then when he gets to chapter 12, he switches from doctrine to the practical application of all that doctrine which you learn. And I'm for doctrine, okay? But normally I let pastor preach the doctrine because if I mess it up, I don't want him to have to try to fix it later. So I try to stick to the practical application, so I move past the first 11 chapters into chapter 12 where Paul says, okay, here's now where you need to start putting these things into practice. And as you read here, he gives us, you know, we start in verse 4, in verse, chapter six, or verse 6, he says, having then gifts, and he talks about using your gifts in a practical way to be a blessing to the church. And I'm thankful for the church and the fact that different people have different gifts, okay? The reality is, as much as I love some people, I'm glad they don't work with kids, that doesn't make them bad people. It's just, you know, that is not their gift. You know what I'm saying? I'm thankful that pastor has enough wisdom to see, Hey, let's put people where they are best suited for them. That fits their gifts. You know, I've met people that are great people and they have no business being a teacher at the school. That doesn't make them a bad person right but their gifts are far more suited for other areas and and everybody within a church I'm thankful for the body of the church and people fulfilling their roles and each person with the gift that God has given them making the church a better place you know I look back there I see Andrew and Kira Kira does a great job in first grade Can you imagine Andrew teaching first grade <laughs> Now, I love Andrew, and he's a great guy. But I don't think he'd do real well in first grade. Can you imagine Miss Kira teaching chemistry and physics? The other day I stepped in, I told Brother Andrew, I said, Brother Andrew, you are the coolest geek I know. <laughs> and Brother Andrew said, Pastor Ben, cool and geek are synonymous. Nice. It's Andrew. And you know, you know, the reality is they come in. Miss, Miss Kira goes to first grade. Andrew jumps into 11th and 12th grade. They both are helping where their gifts are most suitable. And I, I appreciate that. I'm thankful for that. And I hope that each of you within the gifts that God has given you are fulfilling the role that God has given you to fulfill. The reality is, I'm not sure why, They haven't replaced me in the choir with Miss Joanna yet. Y'all have heard my angelic voice, okay? Uh, But I don't... The reality is some of us aren't made for that role. They don't even allow me in the choir. I am thankful that there needs to be a choir and there needs to be an audience to listen to the choir. You know, some of you, I love you, okay? But we don't want Chris Green in the choir, That doesn't make Chris a bad guy, okay? We don't want his son in the choir either. (laughs) God has given us all roles to fulfill, but then when we move past these verses where he talks about gifts, in verse 9, he stops talking about people fulfilling the roles within the gifts that God has given them and just saying, here's some things every Christian needs to do regardless of their gifts, regardless. And one of those, we're going to skip through a bunch of them because he just starts listing off, and and they're good, all right? Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. I hope you abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor preferring, Pastor Ben. I mean, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business. These are all good things, but we're going to skip all the way to verse 13 and look at the very last three words. Given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. Now, can I say something as, a, as, as someone who does get in front of you occasionally, as somebody that you know and call Pastor Ben? The reality is, God has commanded each one of us to preach the whole counsel of God. And have you ever heard a preacher get up and preach something And almost in the back of your mind, you go, they have no business preaching this. They don't really fulfill this. Now, regardless of whether we fulfill all those things or not, God has given us the command to preach it. And we don't always live it the way we should live it. We still have the command to preach the whole counsel of God. You don't expect some guy to stop preaching on something just because he doesn't live it real well. He's still supposed to preach it. He said, well, he's a Pharisee. Yeah, and there's areas where you're a Pharisee too, right? We're, we're all growing, I hope, at least. But here's one of these things where God says, you ought to be given to hospitality. And regardless of the preacher preaching it, as a Christian, each one of us is commanded to be given to hospitality, and this message kind of stemmed from I started talking to the teenagers a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about just greeting people and talking to people and noticing people and calling people by their names. And I started to call out people in the church. Tell me these people's names. Tell me this person's name. And I was only going to talk to them for like one or two minutes about it. Just greeting people and talking to them. And I just kind of stopped where I was at. And I turned into Pastor Ben at that moment and laid into him. I said, you fool. No, I said. uh, I said, I have failed you. Your parents have failed you in this area. We have got to teach our kids to greet people, talk to people and be given to hospitality. Well, I laid into the boys, it was Bible class, come Friday night teens, I said, girls, I'm just going to mention this to you, I'm not going to land you like I did the boys, not going to happen, I've already determined that, I already got it out of my system, and so I talked to them for like two or three minutes, and the very same scenario happened with the girls, that happened with the boys, and the boys, get them, Pastor Ben, mm, like you did to us, come on, get them, and so I did. I did. Now, obviously, in a loving, kind way, but teaching them and admonishing, I said, look, I'm stepping past a teaching role here, and I'm going into correctional and admonishment role for a minute, okay? Now, hopefully, I'm not doing that with you tonight, but let me ask you a question. Are you given to hospitality? Now, let me say this before we go any further. As a general rule, Capital City is way above average in in being given to hospitality. And I want to thank you for that. But if we were to cheer for a sports team, we don't want them to be above average. And we don't go, man, my team, they're 11th in the league. (laughs) They're above average. You know, they're way above average. They didn't make it to the playoffs, but there was a whole bunch of teams worse than them. If we cheer for a sports team, we want them to be the best. Now, sometimes when it comes to our own personal lives, especially our Christian lives, we're satisfied with above average instead of striving to be the best that we can be. And here's all I'm saying tonight. Let's take a look at being given to hospitality and say, where can I grow in this area? Where can I do better? If God says I'm supposed to be... Given to hospitality. Here's what we do know. If you go to Second um, First Timothy, First Timothy chapter three. Here's where we hear this a lot. First Timothy chapter three and verse two. A bishop then must be. Okay, Pastor Ben. Here's the list. Of qualifications for a preacher, right? Yep. Correct? Yep. I'm not tricking you, I promise, okay? A bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober of good behavior, given to hospitality. Pastor Ben, preachers are supposed to be given to hospitality. They are. Yep. But before First Timothy was written, Romans was written, and every Christian is supposed to be given to hospitality. Every Christian is supposed to be given to hospitality. Can you imagine for a minute if pastor walked into church seven, eight minutes before church, came in, shook Brother Dilworth's hands, made his way to his seat, sat there, didn't really talk to anybody, gets up, preaches, one service is over, talks to two people, leaves week in, week out. You would say, what's up? He's not qualified to be a preacher. Maybe we need to start looking for another. Correct? What's wrong with him? He's not even acting like a Christian, let alone a pastor. Would we not say that? So here's what we have to do. If we would expect that of pastor, the same command is given to each of us. So we've got to stop and say, okay, am I personally given to hospitality? It's not a command that's just for somebody with the name Pastor behind their name, but it's for every Christian. It's not just for the door greeters or Brother Jeremy. By the way, just Pastor Jeremy just irritates me sometimes. I'm going I'm to get one in on him. Are you back there listening? I hope you're listening in the back. Sometimes he don't even pay attention, all right? I'm just saying. He is. He's listening. This one's for you, okay? He kind of, irrit- you know, you show up yesterday to play cornhole. Yeah, i have done this once. He wins. Everything he does, he's good at, and it's irritating. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? He doesn't have to try hard. He just does it. He's a natural when it comes to people. And, you know, he can talk to anybody and make them feel comfortable, any situation, it can be kids, it can be adults, and it's frustrating, because some of us have to work at it, and it's irritating to just watch somebody who's a natural lad and doesn't even have to try. It is, to see that? I'm not the only one. It's disgusting. <laughs> Thank you very much for helping me out. I don't need amens, I need disgustings in there. Thank you. Here's the reality Sometimes we say, well, I'm not a natural, so therefore I don't have to be given to hospitality. Well, it doesn't come easy to me. Be careful that if we expect something out of pastor, that we would expect the same thing out of ourselves. I told the teenagers this in 1 John chapter 3. Let's go there real fast. 1 John chapter 3, he says this in verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest. Now, what's he saying here? How, How do we know if an apple tree is an apple tree? It manifests itself by bearing apples, right? That means that's what it's manifesting. I'm an apple tree, correct? So how do we know a Christian is a Christian? Here's what the manifestation, this is the fruit of a Christian. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Now, I'm not telling you as adults this, okay? I told the teenagers this. I'm not telling you this. I'm just repeating what I told them, okay? Okay? It makes me a little nervous if you don't love people and you don't want to talk to people what you're manifesting. Because as a Christian, the manifestation that I am a child of God is, I love other children of God. Correct? Where's the one place that you feel most safe, most comfortable? I can go to Brother Wood's house and Brother Wood makes me feel pretty comfortable and he allows me to sit on his couch and feeds me a meal, and I'm thankful for that. I go to Pastor Robbie's house, and Pastor Robbie and I are friends, and I feel pretty comfortable there. But I don't feel as comfortable there as I do in my own house, right? I don't even feel as comfortable talking to his kids the way I would talk to my kids, because that's my family. You know where I feel most comfortable is with my family. As a child of God, my family means you. You know why I show up to church an hour early and leave an hour and a half after church is over? Because I like this place and I like these people. And I watch some of these people show up to church an hour early and walk up and down the halls and talk to people and read prayer letters. And they just want to be around other people of God because, you know, they feel comfortable around those people. And some people want to show up. As church starts, or after church starts, and leave immediately, and I kind of wonder, why don't you feel comfortable? What's being manifest? I'm not telling you guys this. That's what I told the teenagers, okay? Y'all don't have to get under conviction. I'm not saying this. But I'm asking, the, I'm asking you this. Where is your manifestation of your love for God? Are you a child of God? And it, does it show through your love for the people Of God. So I'm going to tell you three things to be careful of, and then we're going to move into some practical application, okay? Number one, be careful who you consider the least. You say, Pastor Ben, what do you mean by that? You know, you would never walk into church and walk by Pastor without saying hello. You wouldn't do that. You know why? That's Pastor. But you know who you would walk by and not say hello to? Somebody that you might consider less than. You know how often we walk by people and don't greet them, don't talk to them? Don't even know their names. I was embarrassed as a youth pastor to pull up names of people who had been here 50 to 100 to 3 and 400 times and my teenagers couldn't tell me their names. I said, you know what the problem is? We consider them the least of these. They're the least, so they're not a big deal. They don't matter. I said, you know what the fact is? They're still my brother. They're still part of my family. And as part of my family, I'm supposed to love them. And in Matthew chapter 25, what did Jesus tell them? He said, inasmuch as... They said, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you naked? When did we see you in prison? When did we see you with a problem when we didn't help you? Pastor, if we had known you had an issue, we'd have been there in a heartbeat. Great. But would you have been there for the least of these? Well, Pastor Ben, I I was busy. I understand, in as much as you've done it unto them, would we have made time for pastor? Maybe our, our expectation of giving to hospitality isn't quite high enough. Being given over to hospitality. If we can make it happen, we do it. If we can be a blessing, we do it. Be careful not to consider anybody the least of these. Because the minute we do, we're treating God that way. Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren. Do you notice it uses the word my brethren in there? You've done it unto me. So number one, be careful who you consider the least. Number two, by the way, oh, here, let me just say this. It is human nature to consider some people less than others. That's human nature. Okay? We see somebody who's poor, somebody who's ugly, someone who's disabled, someone who's simple, someone who's obnoxious, somebody who's quiet, somebody who irritates us. We automatically put them into the category of least. It's human nature. But God says, inasmuch as as you've done unto the least of these, my brother, and you've done unto me, we wouldn't treat God that way. So we have to say, "Whoa, whoa, I have to be careful that I don't treat anybody as the least of these. Number two, be careful not to let your personality be an excuse for disobedience. Again, we refer to, well, I'm not a natural at this like Pastor Jeremy is. I'm not as outgoing as Pastor Mark is. Well, my personality isn't quite like this person. Well, I'm shy. I'm quiet. I'm an introvert. Oh, best friend, you don't understand. I always say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Best friend, I'm grumpy. (laughs) We can often let our, our personality be an excuse for plain disobedience. And God says, look, you have to move past your personality and just simply do it. That's right. Simply step out. And you know what it is? Honestly, this is a step of faith. Because you say, well, Pastor, I always say the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know, God still commands us to be given to hospitality. And if we're going to be given to hospitality and we say the wrong thing at the wrong time, God help me to do this. And I'm going to do it by faith. And it may come out wrong, but I'm still going to do it. Amen. My son, Peyton, was telling me, I've been getting after him and talking to him, talking about, hey, greet people, talk to people, greet visitors, get to know their names. He said, Dad, I went over to this one guy and I was talking to him and I said, hello, I'm Peyton, introduced myself. And he asked him, where do you work? And this guy looked at him and goes, why do you care? (laughs) He said, Dad, I didn't know what to say. I was just trying to be friendly. (laughs) You know what? That sort of thing's going to happen. And the reality is, Peyton doesn't care where he works. He doesn't even know. Right? And that's okay. (laughs) But you can't let the fact that you say the wrong thing or that you're quiet be an excuse not to be given to hospitality. Moses tried to make an excuse for his personality. Well, God, you know, I don't, I don't talk well. And God said, oh, that's fine. You don't need to obey if you don't have a good personality for this job. No, that's not what God told him, right? I said, uh, Moses, who gave you your mouth? Hey, if I told you to do something, you don't think I'm able to equip you to do it? You know, Aaron tried to use his personality. Well, I'm a people pleaser. God, Moses, this this calf, it's what the people wanted, Moses. I, you know, I was just trying to do what they wanted. Moses said, oh, that's okay then, Aaron. No problem if it's what the people wanted. No, God said, look, your personality is not an excuse for disobedience. You have to overcome your personality and say, regardless of what my personality is, whether I'm gruff, whether I'm grumpy, whether I'm shy, whether I'm introvert, I still have to be given to hospitality. Number three. Be careful that your own selfishness doesn't become an excuse for disobedience. Well, most of the time I come to church, I'm tired. Yeah? Well... Pastor Ben, I don't like to be squished in my pew. <laughs> have you noticed at Capital City, you're probably going to get a little squished? Uh, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. <laughs> Pastor Ben, I'm not in the mood. Well, I have to leave right after church and I got to get up early tomorrow. You know what the reality is? It's easier to be interested in yourself than it is to be interested in others. That's easier. But you can't allow your own selfishness to be an excuse for disobedience. Regardless of whether you're tired, regardless of your personality, regardless of how you feel. You know, there are some people who don't feel well and hurt all the time. And you would never guess it by the way that they talk and act to others. You know why? Because they're just given to hospitality. Because they're more concerned about you than they are about themselves. And they've said, you know what, I'm not going to let my own selfishness stand in the way of me being kind to people, greeting people, getting to know people, and letting people know that I care. In order to be given to hospitality, you have to be careful that you aren't overwhelmed by your own selfishness or how you're going to feel. Well, when I do it, I just feel so awkward. Yeah, everybody does. You know what the reality is? They didn't put Brother Dave and Jeremy and I at the front doors because we don't feel awkward greeting people. We do too. And there are times I forget people's names. I don't see him here tonight. Peter, Peter came to church a number of times, five or six times. Walking out the door one night, I said, Patrick, good to see you again tonight. He looked at me and goes, my name's Peter. You feel really stupid. You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to say, okay, well, in order just not to fall into that category again, I'm just not going to call people by their name. No, I'm commanded to be given to hospitality. I need to learn their names. And once in a while, you're going to mess up. And once in a while, you're going to feel really awkward and look really stupid. I don't get into here on Sunday mornings. I don't get in the main sanctuary. So sometimes people come to church five, six, seven, eight times before I, I meet them. And I've had people walk into church Sunday night. And I'm like, wow, good to have you. Is this your first time? No, oh, I've been here eight times already. We're glad to have you back. <laughs> Whatever your name is. And sometimes you feel really dumb and really awkward. Like, why do you care? But that can't stop us from still being given to hospitality and being kind and greeting people and remembering people's names and talking to them and saying, hello, we have to get over over our own selfishness. So we're going to move on from there and I'm going to give you a little bit of practical advice. Turn to Titus chapter one, verse three. Titus chapter one, verse three, he says. Wrong verse. It was a good one, too. Where does he say lover of hospitality? Eight, thank you but a lover of hospitality. He's talking about a bishop here. And he says that he's supposed to be not just be given to hospitality, but a lover of hospitality. Well, wouldn't it be good if we got past this point of we're just supposed to be given to it, and we actually love to be hospitable to people? I looked up the word give and hospitality. Just, you know, you so, said, well, we already know what the word give means. You're right, but I found something in there that was fantastic. Ready? Give is a present, a donation, a bribe, anything to anything given to corrupt the judgment. Can I help you out just a second? Some of you need to give hospitality so you can corrupt people's real judgment of you. If we can corrupt their judgment, there are people in this church that actually think I'm cool You know why? I've corrupted their judgment. (laughs) You can do it too. Some of you need to work real hard at this to corrupt people's judgment of you and actually make them think that you're all right. And it's possible through giving hospitality. Anyway, I told you that was a good one, right? Hospitality is the practice, and I like that word too, the practice of. You know, it's something you have to practice. You don't get good at. We say Pastor Jeremy's a natural at this. You know he wasn't born a natural. It was through a lot of practice. Brother James Hoffmeister walks into church almost every time he comes in. He greets Brother Dave and I at the door, and the next question out of his mouth is, Any visitors here? Point them out to me. You know why? I'm getting practice to go show some hospitality. Who are they? Look, I'm I'm not familiar with this place. Sometimes I'm gone for a while. People aren't a visitor. And I think they're a visitor. Point me out the visitors. And I'm going to go practice some hospitality. You know why he's good at it? He's had a lot of... Practice. You know why you're still uncomfortable with it? Because you're not practiced up at it. The practice of receiving or entertaining strangers or guests with kind and generous liberality. So here's my question. Are you given to hospitality? So, you ready? We're going to take a test. Got a pen and paper? You're going to take a test here. First, do you on purpose greet guests. On purpose, greet guests. Amen. So, Pastor Ben, I'm giving a hospitality. Do you go around and on purpose, greet guests? What about other members? Or do you walk to your seat? If you're not careful, here's what we do. We walk into church, we sit in the same spot. If it's not exactly, it's really close. We greet those people that sit right around us, or we greet those people that are within our circle of friends, and we leave church having greeted the same people every single time and talking to the same people every single time, and we say, I'm hospitable. Hang on. If you sit over here, do the people over here think you're hospitable? Do the people outside of your circle of friends, the people outside of your age group, the people outside of your comfort zone still consider you to be hospitable? Okay. Do you go out of your way to make others feel welcome or special? Do you go out of your way to make others feel welcome or special? Uh, Do you know the names of guests, people who have been here multiple times? Do you greet people who return by name? Now, I have a question for you. If you expect Brother Dave and I to know people's names when they walk through those doors, why aren't you expected to? Well, you're door greeters. Oh, let's find that in the Bible. Hang on, we're Christians. That's it. And you're one too. And you're my brother, and I'm trying to help you by loving you a little bit and telling you, you could greet people by name too. All right, ready? When was the last time you invited someone over to your house or out to eat? That that someone is not a regular to you. Sure. Okay? It's not fair for Nick and Alicia to say, oh yeah, we have people over at our house every week. James and Martha, yeah. Nate and Macy. Sure. Right. right? Oh, hang on. Yeah. It's easy for, for Brother Oscar to have people over at his house every week. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Nathaniel comes over, grandma comes over. Pastor and Miss Kim come over. Okay. Hang on. And then he's got this circle of of friends that would be young couples, somewhat close to their age. When was the last time you did something with somebody outside of that? Absolutely. When was the last time that you noticed someone was missing and checked on them? When was the last time you brought somebody something that missed church? When was the last time you thought about where you park and how this might affect other people? Can I I help you out? Even with the parking here, being given to hospitality even extends to where do I park? Brother Jamie has five little kids. He shouldn't have to park across the street and get all those kids across the street. That's why we try to save those spots for him. If you're, we tell our college students, don't you dare park in the parking lot. You know why we tell them that? They got good legs and they don't have kids. Right? Ms. Wendy Sullivan needs to park in the parking lot. Okay? She's not as young as she used to be. She's too young. Just not as young as she used to be. Ms. Thompson does not need to park a block away. So we say, if I'm going to be given to hospitality, I actually have to stop and think about other people. I actually have to consider others. If my legs are good and I'm young and I'm healthy and I don't have little kids with me, guess where I should not park? What about our new college students? Do you know their names? Do you know anything about them? Now let me ask you a question. How did you do on the test? Are you given to hospitality? Would others say that person is given to hospitality? If not, maybe you could grow a little bit. Ready? Here's some areas where, where here's some practical advice helping you to grow in the area of given to hospitality. Number one, watch for visitors. Watch for them, look for them. Again, I told our teenagers, you guys get so comfortable coming in and sitting in the front two rows, and I'm all for that. I love it. But then you don't notice anybody outside of that. Well, I've got to play an instrument. Well, I've got to be in the choir. Yes, and you also need to watch for visitors. So if we're going to grow in this area of hospitality, we're going to watch for visitors. Visitors would extend to missionaries, preachers. Not a preacher or a missionary or a visitor should walk in this place and not have their hand shook off. If they leave and say, I don't like that place, it was way too friendly. All right. If that's your knock, I guess that's okay. Right? So look for visitors, watch for visitors. Here's what happens: is we don't greet somebody the first time they come, or the second time they come, and then we get embarrassed. Well, and they, they, I've seen them here, I've seen them here a number of times. And I've never greeted them. So now, to avoid our embarrassment, we just don't greet them at all. It's pride. They don't remember whether you greeted them or not. They have three hundred other people to remember. You may have greeted them. They don't remember, but your own personal pride will keep you from greeting them at all. Instead of saying, you know what? Yes, they've been here a dozen times and yes, I haven't greeted them. Guess what I need to do? Get over myself and go say hello. Go greet them. Go get to know them. I need to know their name. I need to know the family, their family history and where they work. You ought to get their names and repeat them. So watch for visitors, greet them, get their names, and then repeat their names back to them. They say the more, the more uh, uh, of your senses that you use, the, the greater chance you have of remembering something. If you hear something one time, your chance of remembering it is less than 10%. If you hear it and repeat it, your chance jumps to 60 plus percent. So when you hear their name, say, oh, so-and-so, we are glad that you came. Repeat their name back to them. And then if you pray for them, you're repeating their name multiple times. Your chances of remembering their name go up drastically. Pray for them. The next time you see them, you can say, I've been praying for you. Help them with seating. Now, here's where I'm going to go. Get back to where I mentioned that. Help them with seating. It's already uncomfortable walking into a place when it's this packed. I was talking with Dave Dilworth about this earlier. He said, Pastor Ben, I can still remember the first time that Ashley and I walked into church here. You greeted us at the door, helped us get a seat, and you had to move somebody out of the way in order to help get us a seat. And they didn't want to move. He said, we were so uncomfortable. Can I help you out? That's not given to hospitality. It's already uncomfortable for Pastor Jeremy and I, or Brother Sam, to ask you to move, to ask you to squash in. The pastor has said a hundred times, hey, move in, fill in the empty chairs. I'm not going to point out where empty chairs are tonight and who scooted in tonight. I'm just going to say. How often do, are you making sure that you're given to hospitality? Oh, whoa, whoa, there's some empty chairs. Let's move in. Here's what happens. Our own selfishness says, I like the end chair. I like the end of the row. It's hard for me to move in. Well, I'm old. Well, I'm young with kids. Well, I'm fat. Well, I'm... We make every excuse in the book to say... I don't want to move in. I want to sit right here. This is where it's comfortable for me. And so we aren't given to hospitality. Help people get a seat. It's hard enough to get a seat here. People are already uncomfortable by a packed sanctuary. People are already uncomfortable. And then I have to walk in and say, hey, can we have those two chairs? Let me move out and pull my whole family out. And then you can get in. Then we'll get back in. Do you know how uncomfortable that is for everybody there? It's uncomfortable for the people behind watching. It's uncomfortable for the visitors. It's uncomfortable for you. Scoot in for goodness sake. Be given to hospitality. If you go out and ask him, I'll bet you he can still tell you the person who didn't move. If, if you walked in and said every service I'm going to be given to hospitality in every way, shape, and form, I'm looking for visitors, I'm watching for people, how can I be a blessing to those around me? These things wouldn't be an issue. Wouldn't be an issue. Can I help you out? If you bring visitors on a regular basis, you're far more apt to notice these things. Right, Pastor Mark? You know why? Because you want people to be generous and kind to your visitor. So you're a little bit more apt to be kind and generous to other people's visitors because you want people to do the same thing to your visitors. I, I, I wonder sometimes, maybe some people would stick around a little more if they made a connection with somebody. Uh, maybe we even get them into church, but... My connection with them is I love their kids. It's not really with them personally. But somebody in here could make a connection with them. If we tried. If we were given to hospitality. I had Emma and Allison are here all the time in Dalton. And I'm thankful and I love these kids. Yesterday, we have not got their mom or their sisters out to church one time and Kati has tried, and Stewart has tried, and Pastor Ben has tried, and Miss Faith has tried, and Steph McDonald's tried, and we've all tried. We haven't got it. But yesterday, they showed up to the bike rodeo. Hey, it's a step in the right direction if they were greeted with hospitality. Now, let me say something. I was concerned with how many people greeted them. You know why? Somebody who I would consider maybe my visitor, right? Did you greet them? I'm not saying this just because they're my visitor. What I'm saying is, is when you start bringing people in, all of a sudden you're concerned with other people. You're concerned a little bit more with giving to hospitality. Maybe the group that's given to hospitality, it's because they're the ones who are actually concerned about getting people in. Maybe if somebody made a connection with her yesterday and was given to hospitality outside of the walls of this building, it'll be easier to get them back into church for an actual service to hear the gospel. But if we weren't given to hospitality there, we won't be given to it here. And maybe we turn somebody off from the gospel by not being given to hospitality there. And I don't know. Maybe a hundred people greeted her. I'm not saying that she wasn't and they weren't greeted with hospitality. But I have to wonder, I was counting up the amount of visitors or new people that were there at the bike rodeo yesterday, and one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, and I wondered, how many, as I was putting together this message, how many people here even noticed yesterday? How many people talked to each one of those visitors that was there We had a visitor show up there yesterday, was there for less than 30 minutes and left. My wife said, why'd you leave? We were uncomfortable. They wouldn't have been uncomfortable if they were greeted with hospitality. Now Again, I'm not, I noticed that because that one was mine. How many times have I done that to somebody? But collectively we could say every person we need to be concerned about. Get people's names, repeat them, introduce them to somebody else, help them with seating. If they're walking in, ask them if they need help. Look, if they're walking in, I've seen church people walk by visitors, walk into the door, never greet them, never say a word. They're walking in with kids. Introduce yourself. Ask them, can I help you get your kids back to classes? Do you know where they're going? And I point you to the bathrooms. You know the first question every visitor asks is? Where's the bathroom? First question I get asked 80% of the time, where's your restroom at? Help people at. Hey, good to have you here. Glad, glad that you made it out. How'd you find out about the church? Oh, if they, if they tell you, well, uh, uh, Miss Shirley invited me. Oh, I'll help you find Miss Shirley. Oh, well, so-and-so invited me. I'll help you find them. By the way, restrooms are just down there. The sanctuary's inside these big double doors. You know what you've done? You've answered half their questions right there. You've made them feel a little bit more comfortable. You've taken a very, very uncomfortable situation and made it slightly more comfortable for them. Be given to hospitality. Invite them for a meal or coffee. Again, I have to ask, Would somebody that's been here over the last five years, maybe somebody who's been here multiple times, have stayed if somebody here had been given to hospitality and made a connection with them? God, please give us a bigger building. God, please give us a bigger building. We pack out the one that we have. God says, do you know how many people you let walk through there and you don't get them to stay We have a chance coming up this month, later this month, three weeks, to be given to hospitality with missionaries. Oh, yeah. I mean, given to hospitality. I had Brad come up to the teens and give them a testimony the other night. And I said, Brad, tell us how, how they can make a difference in being kind to, to missionaries' kids. You know what he said? He said, man, missionary kids are weird. We're all weird. We know we're weird. We live in Weirdsville. We come from Weirdsville. And we, don't, we don't fit anywhere. We don't fit in the country we came from. We don't fit in America. We don't fit anywhere. We just want somebody to talk to us. We just want somebody to treat us like we're not weird. He said, you know what the one thing I can remember about Capital City is? He said, as a kid, my favorite thing about coming to Capital City was, we got 100 bucks to spend at Walmart. He said, we thought that was absolutely amazing we loved capital city because when we came for missions conference we got 100 bucks at walmart do you know what a little bit of generosity towards some missionaries and missionaries kids does in their aspect of looking at capital city baptist church well, it was a great conference and we had a great meeting but man these people came up and gave my kids 20 bucks each and treated my kids so nice. Parents, what makes the biggest difference to you when somebody treats you good or your kids good? Man, you treat them with some generosity and their kids with a little bit of generosity. All of a sudden, Capital City doesn't look quite so weird. We're already weird. We're like a bunch of misfit missionary kids. There's a lot of weird people here. We have to admit that. Notice needs. Look. Read their prayer letters. Be given to hospitality. Hebrews chapter 13. I'm done. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 2, he says. Well, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. If you're given to hospitality, you know what you're going to do a lot of? Entertaining. Right? Ms. Amy, what do they call that that you guys do every Sunday at your house? You entertain guests. Correct? That's why she knows how to do all these tricks. You know, a lot of entertaining. <laughs> Trying to wake you guys up, okay? They call that entertaining. Correct? I have a question for you. If we're commanded to entertain and be careful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares, I just wonder if maybe God says, "I'm going to send in a least of these that's really an angel, just to see how friendly they'll be. Why don't you go this week as an underdressed fella? Why don't you go this week as a 12-year-old bus kid? Why don't you show up once in a while as somebody who doesn't quite look put together and just see how Capital City entertains you. I don't know. Say, Pastor Ben, have you ever entertained an angel? I have no clue. Pastor Ben, has an angel ever come into Capital City? I have no clue. But it's possible. It's possible. Now let me ask you a question. If an angel came into here, would they know your name?